Good afternoon. Welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Rafe, Tuesday, and it is Ross Gregory. Good afternoon, Ross. Afternoon, Steve. Afternoon, everyone. Good to see you, and uh, good to see John, just as Alan in the chat, still laid up in hospital. Uh, in the right place, John. Get well soon, mate. Uh, I hope everything is uh, going to go according to plan today. Uh, but, wow, what a weekend. Uh, still on a high from that wonderful performance against Spurs. Ross, uh, give us your take on that game first and foremost. I'm sure lots of people will have lots of questions, but uh, give us your take on the game first. Um, I mean, what can be said that hasn't already been been said about that game? It was, um, it was an incredible, sensational, um, mind blowing first twenty minutes. I don't think, you know, I'll I'll hold my hands up. I thought that Newcastle would win, and. I said that I thought they would come out of the blocks really quickly and get off to a get off to a fast start, but I didn't expect that fast to start. I didn't. I don't think anybody would have would have predicted that in a, in a million years. So, um, some of the 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 forward players, some of the um, you know, some of the but just the, how clinical Newcastle were in that and how ruthless they were in that in that final third was was incredible to watch. Um, you caveat it slightly, I suppose, with. Um, with the fact that Spurs were were, were god awful, um, but that sh- again that shouldn't take away what Newcastle did in that first 20-25 minutes. Um, it was a it was a ruthless and a juggernaut of a performance, just absolutely steamrolled all over all over Spurs who, who weren't prepared, who weren't um, weren't equipped to deal with with the the pace, the power, the movement, the strength, the intensity that Newcastle showed. Um, and following on from, I suppose the most one of the most pleasing parts of it was was following on from the from the Villa performance, which was which was really poor, probably the, the, the poorest performance Newcastle have put in this season. To bounce back with a, a performance which is arguably the best that they've put in this season, um, it shows the character of the team. It shows the resilience of that side. It shows um, it shows the, the the motivational powers of the very how as well, um, and. It, it was it, it was just it was just nigh on the perfect performance. The one that I kind of the only thing I've seen pretty much similar to that, Steve, is is um, is if you go back to ninety three Leicester, uh, ninety two, ninety three Le- Le- Leicester, the last game of the season when when Newcastle were was six 0 up at half time against against Leicester City at, uh, at St James's. You know that's the only thing I can kind of almost compare it to, and even that, you know, you you look at the caliber of opposition. All right. At the time, Newcastle had won the Division One Championship, and Leicester were going for the playoffs. I think, if I, if I remember right, but so that there were there were no mugs. But in terms of levels, you know, you come up against a Spurs team. We've got a World Cup winners in their in their team. We've got England's record goal scorer. They've got they're littered with experienced internationals, and just to blow them away with that performance was was absolutely outstanding. And I don't think we will ever see a twenty minute spell at the start of a game quite like that. Um, Certainly, in, in in my lifetime, I'd be very surprised if I saw something something of that uh, of that ilk. So absolutely fantastic! Just took took the 
took your breath away. Um, and I don't know what you were like, Steve, but I was I was very similar to Jacob Murphy after the third goal and and Alexander Isaac after the five goals, just a little bit bemused by it all, just completely shocked and in an awe and, and not quite comprehending what had gone on. I was I was in a um I was in a cold, freezing cold athletics stand in in Sheldon watching my daughter in her uh, athletics uh, competition on on Sunday afternoon. There was three or four of us dads kind of huddled around an iPhone watching it on a on a stream, uh, jumping up and down in this um, in this cold um, concrete stand in in the middle of in the middle of Sheldon. Um, and it's certainly an experience that will live long in the memory. Yeah, incredible. Doesn't matter where you were. Like I said, if you were watching it on the TV, if you listened on the radio, if you were there, uh, an amazing performance. And um, what I said last night is, I think Newcastle fans need to get used to it. I've, over the last few years, I've been watching Manchester City demolish teams at home, and rightly so because of the the quality of players that they've got. And it felt a bit like the Chelsea game last season. I, I said when I came back from Stamford Bridge last season, I felt Newcastle had arrived. They, there was a, it was a different atmosphere amongst the supporters at, at the away end. We lost the game 1-0. It was a tight, narrow game. But Newcastle really looked as if they'd, you know, they'd turned a corner. And for me, fast forward to, to that performance at the weekend, that feels like another monu- a monumental moment in Newcastle United's you know, new ownership. You know, that was a, a big game, a crunch game. Newcastle United had to win. Many times we've seen them collapse, crumble, um, not turn up, whatever you want to call it, in those kind of games. Newcastle just did a job on on not only Tottenham, but they did it on Manchester United a few weeks earlier. They did it at Chelsea. They did it at Arsenal, the back end of last season. And Newcastle have got a habit of now not, not just getting a result out of these games, but completely outplaying the opposition and winning these games. And for me personally, you know, I genuinely feel that you know this is the beginning of uh, the next stage, and it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic, mate. It really is. It's a it's a great time to be a Newcastle United fan, and you know we've just got to sit back and enjoy it. And I think there'll be a few more games where Newcastle can knock up the goals. Although I have to agree with you, I think it'll be a while before we see five goals in twenty minutes. But um, that's what Manchester United specialise in at the Etihad. Um, quick goals, quick you know, quick starts to games, finishing the opposition off, and many times you see Manchester City two 0 up in five minutes at, at the Etihad and finishes the game, stops the game. You know, there's no chance of the opposition making a comeback. So, for me, I think it's something we'll have to get used to seeing goals at Newcastle rather than calls to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So, lots of questions coming in as usual. Ian Toon Trader says, uh, "All right, Stephen Ross, where after Sunday do you think we'll finish in the league table?" I think third is nailed on as we have an extra hidden point with goal difference being so good. And Ian's cancelled a, a meeting, uh, put a meeting back to listen to your dulcet tones, he says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I think third, uh, Ross, I think third is where Newcastle want to finish. Um, you know, they can't finish top two, but I think they've got their eyes on third. I don't think I don't think they're looking at fourth. I think they're certainly aiming the higher. The players certainly are anyway. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, the momentum is with, with Newcastle, um, if we can keep everybody fit and firing and and in good form, then there's no reason at all why why they can't finish third. You look at the the running now between now and the end of the season, and um, and it's it's not the worst running in the world. There's the, you know there's a couple of couple of three tricky fixtures in there that you would look at. There's there's some that you would you would expect or hope for for three points certainly the way Newcastle are playing. 
I, I don't mind if it's third or fourth. I think it's just a case of nailing that top top four spots. And and um, I've looked at I've looked at the table. I've looked at the fixtures, and I think I think another four wins out of the last seven games will, will secure top four. I think that will give that give Newcastle seventy one points. You Adam maybe's a draw in there as well. So I think they can afford to, to lose a couple of games and still finish finish in the top four at this rate. I think 71, 72 points. There's only there's only once in the last ten years that, that the team finishing with with seventy one points hasn't hasn't uh, finished in the top four. So, look, let, let's 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 be confident and, and let's um, <clears throat> let's enjoy this, um, but not 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 you know. Ultimately, the top four is, is the only place that Newcastle need to finish. If they can sneak into third and in, then in, in great. Um, it's a little bit extra money in the pockets, and and you know the the, the Champions League's obviously all secured. So. Um, it's going to be it's going to be tight still between now and the end of the season. The Man United are, are kind of the, the the main challenges, but I don't think I can't see Newcastle now. And I hope I'm not going to put the kiss of death on them. I just can't see Newcastle now failing to qualify for the Champions League. No, I don't think you're putting the kiss of death on them. I think most of us feel exactly the same now in that performance. You know, you're rightly feeling that confidence that you know we we, we couldn't have had the week before because of that. Two choke and cheese performances, unbelievable. Really, couldn't couldn't believe it was the same team, but certainly had a point to prove. Uh, I think uh, Dylan um, is saying that there is a lot of talk of McTominay is still replacing Longstaff. I'd love to see the two of them alongside Bruno. What's your thoughts if we get him? Uh, McTominay is still, you know, making headlines. Uh, Ross. Yeah, and, and I, I've, we've spoken about him on this on this show a few times, Steve. I, I, I'm. I'm not against Scott McTominay coming in. I know he's he's, he's split a bit of opinion around uh, around the fan base. I think he's a good player. I think he's he's very similar to, in a lot of ways to to Sean Longstaff. I think he's he's um he's got good energy. He can press. He's um he's he's somebody who I think would add to Newcastle's squad. Look, whether he would come in and in in hugely improve the the starting eleven, I'm not I'm not sure about that. But I think. What he would do is he would add depth to that midfield, and in the midfield certainly does need some extra, extra depth. I think he's, from what I've seen in the, the Man United fans and and, um, and season ticket holders that I've that I've spoken to, they say that McTominay he's actually he's better, he's better served further forward. He's he's better served in that. You know, he's not someone who whose best position is sitting in front of the the back four and, and being that kind of defensive midfielder. He's he's better served higher up the pitch, and he's. He's actually one of the better finishers in in the Man United uh, squad. You know, maybe he's outside of of Rashford and, and maybe it's Bruno Fernandez. He's, he's probably the, the best finisher that they've got. So um, I think he'd be a welcome addition to the squad, providing that it's it's um, that the money's money's decent enough. You know, when, you know Newcastle on shelling out out silly money. Um, I do get why people, you know, uh, uh, maybe he's you know not for this one and, and think he's maybe he's a Man United reject and, and whatever. I can see I can see all the sides of the argument, but I think he'd be a good addition to the squad. Yeah, I think Everton will be a harder game than most expect. We don't have a good record at Goodison Park. <laughs> Plus, the way they play will make it a difficult game with a possible odd goal seal in the game. Alan, tongue in cheek, I'm sure. Ross so disappointed it was only six one. The team looked laboured in the second half. I was looking for ten. I just hope they play better against Everton or we'll be in trouble for the top. Four. Do you know what it? Do you know what it is, Steve? As well, and this is the this is the Newcastle fan in you. This is the this is the, because you you've been brought up on 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 um on so many you know disappointing performances and results that even at five nil at half time I wasn't I wasn't hundred percent 
um, relaxed. You know, you knew that Newcastle were going to go on and win. Don't get me wrong, but you're still just there's just always that little niggle in the in the back of your mind that you think, oh, you know, once Kane scores after three or four minutes, you start thinking, oh, they need to get control of this game again. Or you know, it could go five two, five three, and all of a sudden, there's always that negativity around you, or, or that, or that pessimism. I think is a, is in Newcastle, or certainly there is with with me. So. It's um, Stockholm it's, syndrome, which is what Mitch has talked about on here many, many times, and that is, is that is because of the fourteen years we had under Ashley. I think. No, absolutely, absolutely, one one hundred percent. It's it, it probably goes back further than that, that, Steve. As well, it goes back to you know the the, the QPR game in in the eighties, where four and a little bit half time and ended up drawing fives each. You know, I can still remember listening to that one in me uh, in me in me. Grandma's sitting room, grandma's spare room on the radio, and um, and thinking four and a little bit half time, brilliant. And then it, it you know it turns out to fives each. So you know it's it's the life of a, a kind of you know if you follow Newcastle, I think you've always got to sometimes um, expect the worst, but uh, hope for the best. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. It's uh, it's it's going to take a little bit of uh, getting used to. I think this kind of uh, atmosphere, this kind of feeling, but um, you know we'll enjoy the ride while we can. Uh, a lot of questions came in. Uh, quite early, just want to uh, get to them now. Uh, John says, hello, everyone. The feel-good factor around the club in the mid-90s under Keegan was excellent. Do you think it's even better now? Um, that's, that's a, it's a difficult question. I think... I think... I, I don't think you'll ever have that sense of absolute fun and enjoyment and freedom and... Um, I don't know. I, I, that whole spark around the, the the Keegan era when when that when that took off that was that was something I've I've I'd never experienced before um, following Newcastle and I, and and I don't think I don't think this one is is quite there. It, it's very different. It, it's it's um, it's great as well. But I, I, that 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 early nineties when when Keegan came in, it was it just had a it had a slightly different feel to it. It was it was so um, it was. It was just so free and, and fun, and I'm not saying that this that this time isn't as well. But it's a it's a different world, I think, with the, with Premier League as well. There's, there's a lot more um, focus and, and money and attention and everything else like that, that that goes with it. The profile's completely different. It was Wall maybe is a bit more naive back in back then, and it was um it was a it was an exceptional time to be following your castle back uh, back then. But this is 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 rivaling it and, and running a, a very very close second for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's getting there slowly, but uh, slowly but surely. There's there's no doubt about that. John also says it's pretty startling. It would now be a big disappointment if we didn't finish in the top four. This is the first full season of our revolution, or is it evolution? So yeah, it would be disappointing if we didn't finish in there. But I think as the games decrease, which is a point Eddie Howe keeps making in the uh, the press conferences, then you know Newcastle do look as if they're heading towards that elusive uh, Champions League spot. Yeah, and and it's 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 getting closer. It's getting closer, and, and and you know, if you'd said Newcastle would be in this position with seven games to go at, at, at the start of the season, you'd 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 um you'd have bitten the hands off. You you would have maybe been been sectioned as well. You know, you would have had one of the doctors calling around. I think if people had said Newcastle are a third in the table with seven games to go, I'm just demolished um, the fifth best team or in the in the league six one at at home. Um, so it's a it's a remarkable turnaround. It's a remarkable transformation. I think it, I still do think it's more evolution rather than, than revolution. You know, you you look at the a lot of the players that were involved 
um, on Sunday still were, you know, were, were players who were at the club um, prior to to the takeover, or, or certainly prior to um, to Eddie Howe coming in. You know, you, you still had your you know your Callum Wilsons, your Miggy Almonds, your Sean Longstaffs, your you know Javier Mancure coming on, um, Fabian Share. That you know you could go on and on. Joe Willock, Joe Linton. There's, there were so many players that were involved either. Uh, in the starting eleven or, or off the bench, that that it it shows how far that the club has come over such a short period of time. But it's um it's fantastic to see, an old testament to, to Eddie Howe and the coaching staff on the way that they've not only integrated the new players in and in, in, in the recruitment's been exceptional, but the way that they've improved the the players who were um who were already at the club. Yeah, Graham Townsley on LinkedIn says, brilliant Sunday, really need to secure a third place. I know the summer will be full of uh, JWP, Madison, Barnes, etc. I just don't see how they walk into the team with Willett, Longstaff and Murphy uh, even. Thoughts, Ross, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, there's going to be some there's going to be some major, major ins and outs, I think, in this summer transfer window, especially with, trans, you know, especially with Champions League. Yeah, look, if Newcastle get the Champions League, regardless, of, I suppose whether whether they get in the Champions League, but the, the need to improve the squad, the need to improve that that squad depth. We've 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 seen that Newcastle have performed exceptionally well when they've been at full tilt um, every game. If one, if you add Europe into the mix, you are adding an extra dozen games potentially into into it. You know, or certainly eight or ten. You're adding all the extra travel that's involved and the extra. Scrutiny, you know, it's 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 your preparation as well for for games. So you you've got midweek games. Even if even if you're at home and you're not doing the travel, your focus, your prep for half of that week is on the is on the midweek game, and then you can only start prepping for the for the weekend game, the Premier League game. You know, on the on the Thursday or the Friday, it's a very very quick turnaround. So um, it will bring extra challenges and extra um, extra things for for Eddie Howe and his team to to kind of overcome. And I, I do think one of those will have to be a, a, a increase in the in the depth of the squad in terms of the in terms of the quality. Um, then players that that were mentioned there, you know, your your your, your Willicks and your Longstaff, you know, both been absolutely fantastic this season. Jacob Murphy is is kind of renaissance is is a is a real positive story and, and something that I think everybody's delighted by. Um, but to, it's it's the old adage, isn't it? If if you I think if you if you stand still in football, you actually you actually go backwards. You know, Newcastle need to keep progressing. They need to keep looking at at uh, how to improve that squad. And there will be some difficult decisions taken along the way. And, and some players who have been fantastic servants to the club who who might say either reduce game time or they'll be or they'll be moved out elsewhere. That's the nature of football. You've got to keep moving on. You've got to keep progressing. You look at the top teams. You look at what Pep does at, at Barcelona at um, at Man City. Sorry, you know with you know. Shipping out people like you know Cancelo and and uh, Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus and, and players like that who've won him titles um, just because he wants to keep improving, always looking at, at getting that extra one or two or three percent out. So that would be no different for Newcastle next season. They'll bring in they'll bring in half a dozen players I think over the summer. Um, they will have a challenge on their hands because you know your Willicks and your Longstaffs and your Murphys and, and various others, Fabian Shares are, are the players in possession of those shirts, and they'll have to they'll have to be exceptional players with an exceptional attitude to, to get in ahead of, of those. But that's what you want to see. You want to see competition for places and, and Newcastle continually striving to, to be the best that they can possibly be. 
Yeah, John's uh, last question in his first batch was: With three or four quality additions in the summer, we would uh, could, we could challenge for the Premier League next season. Do you agree? I don't. No, I don't think. I don't think um, Newcastle would challenge for the for the Premier League next season, even with with three or four, even with with five or six. I think. I think the the um, I think the gap is still is still a, there's still a little bit of a gap, and I understand. Look, you can look and say, well, look, Arsenal finished fifth last season and all of a sudden they're, they're out in front and um, you can point to what you know what Leicester did and, and, and all that sort of thing as well. I, I don't think Newcastle are in a position or will be in a position in, in, in you know the next 12 months to challenge for the for the title. But I think it's got to be a gradual improvement. I, I've, I've mentioned the, the, you know, playing in Europe next season will take an extra toll that, that players and managers and and the, the club as a whole isn't used to. It's not it's not built around that. It hasn't it will take a little bit of getting used to. So I'd be more than happy with another season like like Newcastle have, have had this season with a couple of additions because everybody else is going to strengthen as well. You're going to look at Liverpool and Chelsea up then they're not going to have the this poorer season as what they've what they've had this this season. Uh, Man United will continue to strengthen. Um City and, and Arsenal will all strengthen. So it'll be it'll be a, a tough I think it'd be tough enough just to, to to get into the top four again next season. Never mind challenging for the title, but that's just me. That that's maybe my my slightly um, negative outlook at it, I suppose. Uh, but I've I'm, I've been realistic. I think a top four finish next season would be would be more than um, more than good enough. Okay, uh, David says. I uh, see the national press are focusing on our players playing for a massive Saudi bonus if we qualify for the Champions League. They just can't resist, can they? Yeah, that seems to have uh, come up in the uh, the press, but yeah, sometimes their incentives are attached to people's contracts and stuff like that. Is this got legs? This story, Ross, is this is this just somebody with a bit of guesswork or a bit of mischief or a bit of both? I've, I've not. I've, I'll, I'll be honest. I've not read that particular story. I, I've, I've seen the headline. I think I, you know. I'd have to look, read it and, and and understand it a bit more. But uh, every club that you go to. Um, there's every every club will have incentives built into their to their playing structure. You know, if, if you finish in the Champions League, there will be, be some sort of bonuses. If you win, if you win the cups, you you get some sort of bonuses. There's, you know, that's that's nothing new. Whether it's just been, like I say, I haven't I haven't read the story, so it's difficult to comment too much on the on the uh, the details. But I would expect most clubs in the Premier League to have their bonuses attached to them. Yeah, Alan agrees. He says, spot on, Ross. We need to improve the squad dramatically. Don't be fooled. We've had a tremendous season, but we need quality additions next year. And our aim must be to stay in the top four next year. Paul disagrees with you. He says, I'm afraid I've got to disagree with Ross. Bring five quality players in and we will challenge, but we may not win it. So uh, a couple of uh, variant opinions there. Steve Mowat says, uh, he's going back to the game at the weekend. He says, afternoon, Stephen Ross. Question. Which through ball was better, Willock or Terry Hibbert in the uh, semi-final of course the Supermac? That's a, it's a good question. I've seen I've seen the comparison. I'll I'll have to go Joe Willock. I just thought it was absolutely sensational. Outside of the foot, bent around the defender. Um, albeit, albeit, you know the the defence was was as um, you know you could have you could have driven a, a bus through that that Spurs defence at that point. But I thought it was a fantastic one. One look, one touch ball, absolutely brilliant. Terry Hibbert is a, is is obviously an iconic, a, iconic pass for for Supermax goal in the semi final. Um, but I'll I'll go on the side of Joe Willock on this one. 
Andrew says, change all those draws into wins and we'll be top. We're capable of winning the title soon. Treble next year, lads. That's uh, optimistic, Andrew, but nothing wrong with that, mate. Um, John Askews uh, asked then, is anyone surprised how quickly Isaac has adapted to the Premier League? I honestly thought he might struggle. I'm now thinking he'd become a tune great. Go on, son. Yeah, I mean, it's been an amazing uh, an amazing start to his career. He jeopardy uh, with, with a bit of injury at the start, but ultimately... You know, 15 games, 10 goals, and uh, he's one of those strikers. I think we covered it on the fans' forum last night that when he gets into a position, you just don't think he's going to miss. You've got confidence in him putting it in the back of the net, which is something we haven't had for a long time. Yeah, he's 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 in a real kind of rich vein of form. His confidence is, is clearly high. I think he's a confident character anyhow. He's, he's somebody who's got a who's got a lot of self belief and self confidence, which is which is what you need. What he's what he's married. That kind of ability with is the is the is the graft is the attitude is the determination is the hard work that the the pressing that Eddie Howe uh, demands from his from his forward players and you look at you know you could you could highlight a number of clips on on Sunday certainly in that first half where his pressing and his energy and, and his defending from the front actually um, actually played a, a major part in in that first twenty minutes um, success. So, yeah, he's he's banging form. He's he's absolutely he, he looks a real real talent, a real handful. He's he's got ability in the air. He's pacey. He's got a kind of ice cool um, ability in front of goal. That's just not for me. That's just not pile the pressure on him too much at this point and and and, and overhype him. You know he's. He's a fantastic player, and I think he will go on to be a, a really top, top quality uh, striker for, for Newcastle. But you know, he's still young, and um, he's he's still new to the Premier League, and you never know. Once he, he's going to have to adapt at some point when when teams um, when teams look to set up differently against Newcastle and look to set up differently against him. So there will be some challenges further down the line from him, I'm sure. Um, but I think he's got certainly got the talent and the self confidence to. To overcome any any obstacles that are put in front of his way. Yeah, who do you think should win Premier League Manager of the Season? Uh, says Tom, um, and I think somebody else had uh, asked about that. Uh, Jordy Toombalife had said, "If Arsenal do win the league and we finish in the top four, is Eddie Howe Manager of the Year?" It's a hundred percent yes from me. How can it not uh, be considering where we were before Eddie and his staff arrived? Thoughts on that one, mate? I think I think he's. He's absolutely right. I think if if Arsenal look if Arsenal win the league from from the position they were in, in in fifth last season and the issues that they had, you know, in terms of the young squad who lacked the mentality and everything else, I'll say that I think Mikel Arteta would be a deserved winner of of manager of the of the year, the manager of the season. But Eddie Howe is running them very very close. What he's done with Newcastle, getting them a cup final, get them into that top four, uh, revitalising the, the the team. Um, the, the everything everything around Eddie Howe's job you, you couldn't argue against you know if, if somebody if, if Eddie Howe wins it I don't think there'd be many people arguing that it's that it was the wrong choice for me it's between between those two um Pep Guardiola's had a had a you know he's just a, a phenomenal manager though and, and I suppose the other the, the other side of it is if Man City win the treble this season if Man City win the the Premier League the Champions League and the um and the FA Cup, and you don't give him a manager of the season, there'll be a few questions asked. Yeah, I, I just think he's done so much um, in a short space of time. He's got to be up there. 
Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the season pans out. Um, I think I think he's got a good a good chance. He's in with a shout. That, that's for certain. Tom Dixon uh, says, according to Keith Downey, he says we need to sign at least seven players in the transfer window. What's your thoughts on that? Seven players. I'm not sure where they would all fit in, but I guess it, again, it depends on it depends on how many go out for me um, as to how many come in. But what, what's your thoughts on numbers of incomings? Um, I, I think I think they'll be around the half dozen half dozen number. I think um, you know five six maybe um, maybe seven with a with a with a couple of youngins maybe brought in as well just as as kind of backup. But I do think there's some. I think some key areas that what Newcastle really want to do is go elite and go, you know, quality versus quantity. Um, and that will obviously have a impact on um on the budget as well. You know, if you if you want to bring in five absolutely top quality, you know, world class players, then you could be looking at the thick end of 200, 250 million. Um, unless they can unless they, they're using some of the contacts and the the um the bargains and and you know looking around the you know some of the teams that are struggling or players who are out of contract or only have twelve months left on the contract. But I think I think five or six. I think <clears throat> I think they need a, another centre half. Um, I was you know Fabian Shea has been fantastic this season, but again I go back to what we were saying earlier. It, it you know then one or two percent. If you can move them one or two percent, can you get somebody in who's a, a younger, fresher, quicker model of, of Fabian Shea potentially and that right centre back? Um, role, I think, I think we'll probably look at a left back, um, a centre midfielder, and maybe a, a, another another forward or two. So I, I think five, possibly possibly six um, players coming in in this summer. But you're right, Steve. It, it will depend. They will need to move some players on. They will need to move some of the the fringe players on. They may, they may even need to to sell a to sell somebody who can bring in a, a, a fair chunk of money as well, um, just to balance the books slightly. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, a relatively um, high-profile, big-name departure as well. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be a really, really interesting summer, that's for certain. It definitely is. OK, halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr. Vicky's Handmade in Cumbria. These sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210102. Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code and it will take you straight there. We're also a podcast and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, 
and other podcast providers usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the Food Bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shira raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt is proven popular this month, 16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com and tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner. NUFCmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the Big Market in Newcastle. And tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700 and you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com and he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www.goldstarpromotions.co.uk. Mike Stewart says, uh, will Eddie change the style of play as we buy more premium quality players or is what we see now how we will continue to play, Ross? Yeah, that's, a, that's another really good question, that one. Um, <clears throat> I think at the minute in time, I, I, I'd be surprised if there's a, a change in style, certainly over the next um, next year or, or year or two. But, he's, you know, Newcastle are, are going to have to adapt because other teams will... will um, We'll look at how Newcastle are playing and try to combat that. And so you, you do need a kind of a plan a plan B at the minute. Newcastle's style is is very much kind of front foot, high energy, high press. Um, you know, winning that ball back in the in the final third um, of, of the the opposition. You know, I think I think um, I looked at, at some numbers, some stats over over the weekend, and I think only Arsenal have won the ball um, more times in the in the final third. Than, than what Newcastle have this season, so um, it's a it's a really um, it's a really you know effective way of playing, and, and at times it, it means it, it's similar to an extent in, in how you know Liverpool set up in the early days under Jurgen Klopp. You know there was that, that high press from the front, 
Um, we, we had, you know, Marnie and Salah and Firmino who would who would press from the front and, and then the midfield three. And it meant that they didn't really need somebody who was as creative, who could, you know, who could spot a pass, who, who could um, who could unlock defences in, in that way because, you know, they were winning the ball so high up the pitch that was almost their their, their playmaker, if you like. Um, but teams will adapt. And, it, you know, if, if teams start playing in a different way with a lower block, Newcastle are going to have to, you know, maybe some games adapt to becoming a bit more possession based and and you know a bit more patient with their with their play and, and and having to move the ball around a little bit. Um, and maybe have that kind of number ten or who can who can unlock a pass or or find a different way of breaking teams down. But um, I think certainly for the next the next season or, or two, I'd be very surprised if if Newcastle deviate from the style of play that they've been that they've been shown. David John Cook says, does Ross think we may keep Gillespie and Dummett on to fulfil our locally trained quota for the Champions League squad? Some speak of signing Tony as he would qualify, but I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if if Gillespie and Dummett were still at the club next season. I'd be, um, I'd be, I would be surprised. I just don't, you know, they're certainly nowhere near the, the starting 11 and they're not even really near the, the, the 18, 19 neither. Um, so, in terms of, of game time and, and, and contribution on a, on the pitch on a match day, then you know the they're, they're not even they're not even in the in the pecking order really at the minute. But what you've got to you've got to understand as well is is and I've spoken about this before is a squad's makeup isn't just determined by the players that are on the pitch and and some players contribute in different ways behind the scenes and with with younger players. Um, you know, working with the 23s or just a, a, the camaraderie around the around the changing room, and, and that's really important as well. So, um, I think Eddie Howe will base his decisions around these players on on purely kind of footballing reasons and, and and what they bring to the to the squad as a as a whole. Um, I think there'll be enough enough you know quarter of players to 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 hit Champions League requirements, regardless of whether Gillespie and, and Dummett stay though. Yeah, I can't see either of those two uh, staying. I've got to be perfectly honest. It's uh, you know been done. It's been a, a good servant of the club, but um, no room for sentiment. I think is what was said on here before. Uh, Les says, in terms of Champions League homegrown quarter, rather than making unnecessary additions to the squad, would it not be better to stick with Sean Longstaff and Elliot Anderson and submit a squad of twenty three for the campaign. Oh. Newcastle will be sticking with with Longstaff and Elliot Anderson next season. That they they will be in the they will be in the squad. There's no doubt at all about that. Um, but Newcastle will have to. These these are some of the challenges that Newcastle will have to to look at. They'll have to look at um, at how they can improve their their squad, how they can improve um, the starting eleven. But but you know the the additions in with, with signings. Bringing in players who who fit the criteria that's needed for for various different um, you know for various different reasons, but ultimately it's about it's about getting the best the best squad on the pitch. And, and you're right, there's no room for sentiment. But you know certainly you know there won't be jettisoning um, Sean Langstaff, Sean Longstaff or, or Elliot Anderson anytime soon. You know two really good homegrown players who've come through who've got a big future to play at Newcastle. Yeah, got a huge future at Newcastle, both of those there, lads. And um, yeah, I've um, got to agree with you on that one as well, Ross. Benny uh, says, Gavardiol or Alfonso Davis for left back? Uh, 
Um, I've not I've not been made aware that either of them are, are, are on the radar for Newcastle. Two two good players, obviously. Um, but um, I do think they'll they'll go for a, a left back in the summer, um, which will probably signal the end of, of you know end of the line for certainly for for Jamal Lewis and, and Paul Dummett, who who are um, like I say down the the pecking order. What it means for for Matt Target is a is a another question, I suppose, as well. But um, but yeah, you know, two good players there that, that Benny's mentioned. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, that's um, you know a good shout. I'd like to think that we uh, we end up with uh, players of that calibre, uh, especially going into the Champions League. It's going to alter the dimensions a little bit, anyway. Do you think we've got a big advantage to other clubs due to geography? Says John, the other powerhouses of major clubs in their area, London and the Northwest, intensifying competition in games. The Northeast has one big boy. We we'll often heard that it's a disadvantage being up north because. It's too cold, etc., and there's not the same array of shops and nightlife, maybe. But you know, that's we know that's just all rubbish. Um, Kevin Keegan, even at the light of Rob Lee, to persuade him to come here. Um, what's your thoughts on the geographical uh, situation? Well, I, I'll be honest. I, th- I think there will be a element of um, of some players, certainly foreign players, who would want to, who, who would be more attracted by the bright lights of London. You know, the London's the big city, the the transport links and um, and everything else out of it. It, it, it certainly a, would be a, um, an attraction for, for some foreign players, but ultimately they wouldn't be the right players for, for Newcastle. Um, you want players who want to come to be part of the project, who want to be, who want to buy into the area, who want to be Part of something that Newcastle are, are grown, not just here because of whatever nightlife or whatever uh, bars or restaurants or or whatever money that they're being paid as well. It's got to be um, for the right reasons that they come into the club. So um, I don't think geography would 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 pay too much of a, a an issue there. I think um, I think you know if you're if you're going for the right types of players, they'll they'll come to your club regardless of whereabouts you're situated. Yeah, I, I agree as well on that. Uh, do you think uh, we are due to give another team a heavy defeat like we did the Spurs, says Tom? We've scored some goals, you know. I remember a while back we were sitting on this platform going, wow, we just need to add goals to our game. But, I mean, we've handed out some hidings to West Ham, Brentford and Spurs. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, the, the 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 performances in front of goal have been a lot more clinical and, and ruthless than... Um, that spell that kind of went through in, in probably maybe February and in, in the start of March, where where goals were a little bit harder to come by. Um, I think you know, obviously Alexander Isaac's return to to the starting lineup in in, in you know fitness has been a, a massive played a massive part of that. But everybody looks looks fresh. You know you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have put much money on on Jacob Murphy getting having two goals after nine minutes against against Spurs. He's starting to weigh in. Miguel Almiron getting back fit. Callum Wilson, whether he starts or come off the bench, comes off the bench again. He looks hungry and he looks he looks back to to fitness. He's another goal threat. Um, you know, Joe Linton weighing in with with goals from from midfield. Joe Willick always starting to to look a goal threat. Should have scored um, on on Sunday. Um, so all of a sudden, it, it looks a lot more a lot more positive going forward. Whereas previously. Um, there was that spell where where the, the creativity just wasn't quite there, and, and the intensity in, in the press and, and everything else, but just wasn't wasn't functioning as a as a whole. But when it when it clicks like it did on on Sunday, then um, and 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 you know you, you get them you, you get that ruthlessness that 
that clinical nature in front of goal. I think, you know, the, the first five goals, I think there was only probably five five or six shots. You know, if you take Joe Linton's shot, that was saved for, for the first one. There was probably only six six shots in the in the first 20 minutes and Newcastle scored the five of them. So it was a it was a ruthless clinical performance. Um you're not going to get that every game where you're going to score pretty much every shot that you that you take. But um but it's it's great to see Newcastle um you know a real attack and threat and with so many goal scoring options around the, the team with with players banging form at the minute. John asks who is our main threat to a top four finish? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Um, I think for me, you look at the, the 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 teams that are chasing and Spurs. It'll be really interesting to see how Spurs rebound from from Sunday. And obviously, they've um, they've sacked Christian Stellini since since that game, and and um, are given the role to the the job to Ryan Mason, who's who knows the club. He's young. He's he's, he's relatively inexperienced. It'll be interesting to see what whether he can get a more of a tune out of them. But to be honest, they looked shot on Sunday. They looked absolutely, absolutely shot. Um, and you would you wouldn't be putting much money on them chasing Newcastle down. Liverpool, uh, I wouldn't. You wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool went on a run and, and won every game between now and the end of the season because they've got that type of um, that type of ability in their locker. So I, I, I still think Liverpool will have a say in in, in that top four, top five um, run. Villa, it it kind of got themselves right into contention, then had a had a little blip on on uh, on Saturday with the ones each draw, but um, I, I don't see them challenging for the top four. I just think I think that one's come a little bit too late, and um, they've left themselves a, a bit too much to do. The other one, I suppose, is Brighton, who've got a lot of games in hand, but you'd rather have points on the board than, than games in hand, and they're going to have to play a lot of a bit of catch up between now and the end of the season with with games. So. Um, that's why I'm relatively confident now that Newcastle will finish in the top four because I think the, the main rivals have either got too much to do, or um, or the the you know in Spurs' case they've the you know they've fallen away. So I don't know Liverpool might if I was picking the top four a top five I would I would have Liverpool as probably finishing fifth. If that yeah, answers I that mean question. Liverpool Liverpool are level on games in Newcastle, but the nine points behind Newcastle really have to go on a an abysmal run. For you know, they need a, a monumental collapse, which they haven't had all season. You know, for, for Liverpool to overtake them, and Liverpool need to win those games. Brighton, as you say, two games in hand on Newcastle, uh, currently on 49 points, 10 points behind Newcastle. Um, and you know, Spurs, Newcastle got a game in hand on them, six points ahead of Spurs. You'd, you'd say Spurs are still a threat if they can get a run together, and Newcastle again have to go on a bit of a, a dismal, a dismal run. And I think you're right with Villa, Newcastle, a game in hand on Villa, um, and after that draw at the weekend, eight points ahead of them. It, it, it's it's in Newcastle's hands, and that's absolutely the, that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. If Newcastle win four, if, if Newcastle win four, that's seven. That's that's an extra twelve points. That puts them on seventy-one points. You then Liverpool need to win every game. Brighton pretty much need to win every game. Villa need to win every game. Spurs need to win pretty much most of their games as well. So four wins out of out of seven, and I, I think I think that's I think that's more than achievable. Um, and then everybody, like I say, everybody else has got to has got to be kind of nigh on perfect between now and the end of the season, which which. One or two teams might be, like I say, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool pretty much won every game between now and the end of the season because they've got that capacity to do that. But I think, I think, you know, certainly 
13 points, 12, 13 points um, out of, the, out of the, the rest of their running. We'll see Newcastle in the top four. Yeah, I, I agree. And Alan says uh, Brighton still, Man City and Arsenal to play. Liverpool have a very favourable fixture list. Uh, it's exciting, exciting times and exciting running. John says, will Everton be trickier than some mags might be expecting? And Andy talking about uh, the Everton game says, think we will see the long ball over the top from Everton on Thursday. Stephen Ross, how do you think Eddie will counteract this and what changes, if any? And the last question on the Everton game from PDK says, should Gordon play against Everton? It's a no from me. Uh, it's a no from me as well. Um, I don't think I don't think it's the right game for, for Anthony Gordon. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily change, make too many changes if it for me on on Thursday, and I, and I don't think Eddie Howe will either. The the only issue that we've all that we always think about with Newcastle is that is that intensity and maybe sometimes freshening it up to because they do put a heck of a lot into into games. But I think probably the second half. Against Spurs, Newcastle, we were able just to just to save their legs a, a little bit, and I don't expect to be any changes at all um, on on Thursday. Other than perhaps if if Fabian Shea is is struggling with a hamstring injury, you might see Jamal Lascelles um, brought in. Um, but other than that, I think it'll be I think it'll probably be the same the same starting eleven. Um, and you know you you wouldn't want to make changes. Gordon going back to, to Goodison Park is, is obviously a, a big story. Um, he's going to get a heck of a lot of stick, you know, because of, of the nature of his departure and some of the, the stuff that's been said and um, and him being a, a kind of a local lad who they pinned a lot of their hopes on. It, it's it's there's going to be a bit of he's going to get a bit of stick and you know he'll not expect any any different. But I, I think he'll I think he'll be he'll be on the bench and he'll he'll potentially come off. Off um, in the second half and and, and get to get a little bit of grief as he as he warms up and and then makes his makes his entrance into the fray. Um, I do think this is a this is a, a not necessarily banana skin, but it's a it's a real tough game for for Newcastle. Evan, you know the the performances and in, in results down at Goodison Park in previous previous years and seasons aren't haven't always been the the best, haven't always been the most consistent. Um, I think I was stood next to you, Steve, wasn't it last season down at You were, yeah. 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 And and that was a real that was a you know, it was a it was a funny game because Newcastle were were right in it, but never really created too much. And then, you know, obviously Everton got a man sent off with um <clears throat> with you know twenty minutes to go or something like that. And they expected Newcastle to, to kick on, but they just looked a bit tired and weary and, and Everton ended up pinching it at the end and it was a, a huge, huge winning result for them that 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 played you know, went a long way to, to keeping them in the Premier League. So Newcastle owe them a, a result. I think it will be a tough game. Dominic Calvert Lewin is, is back for, for Everton, who's you know they've they've always missed this a focal point up front and he's a big threat um up there. I know again he's somebody who maybe splits opinion a, a, a little bit but I really like him when he's fit and firing. I think he's a I think he's a he's an excellent excellent player when he's um, when he's hundred percent fit and and um and able to to, to cause the, the the problems to defences that he can, so I think it, it it's set up to be a, a really tight game and a really difficult game. Um, I think there'll be one maybe it's one goal in it, and and you know Newcastle will have to adapt their style a little bit, and, and maybe you know 
the, the style that Everton will play under under Sean Dyche, it might be a little bit more direct, especially with Calvert Lewin up there, and they'll they'll have to be able to combat that. Maybe it's Jamal Lascelles coming in with his extra height and extra physical presence to the what you know Fabian Shea has. It might not actually be the worst thing in the world, but we'll see when the uh, the team sheets drop on on Thursday. Yeah, interesting to see how Fabian Shea is. He looked okay on the sidelines, but maybe he was just taken off as a precaution. We'll find out a little bit more, I'm sure, from Eddie Howe's press conference. Gordon would be like Pickford. We shouldn't wind up the Everton crown. Can't see him starting. Uh, if Shea's out, uh, how about Big Dan inside and target left-back? Not sure he'll play two left-footers in the centre. Unfortunately, Derek, I think um, Eddie Howe uh, sees him as a left-back, and that's that. Alan Thompson says Everton will be a very hard game. I think they'll try and kick us off the pitch and the crowd will be up for it. We must score first. If we do, I think we win. Here's hoping. And Dan says, when we beat Everton, it's over. That is the biggest test mentally for the squad. And Troll says the Muppet that tied himself to the post destroyed our momentum, in my opinion. I would agree. Yeah, the uh, stop oil protester who uh, invaded the pitch uh, last season has a lot to answer for. Alan says, I still think we need two strikers, Ross, next year. One proven and a younger striker, so we have four strikers for next year. Do you agree? Um, I think probably. I, th- I think we need another one who who can play centrally. I suppose you know if you look at the system, it depends on on what Eddie Howe's wanting to do, and and you know playing the, the kind of the four three three that he does. Um, you know, four strikers for one position. That central position might be might be a little bit too much if he's if he's planning on keeping Callum Wilson. Which I assume he is, you know, Isaac, Callum Wilson, and one other, I think would, would be enough for me, providing that you bring in a, a probably another wide player who can who can win and, and chip in with with goals and somebody who's who's flexible. I think Newcastle have got a lot of lot of options up up front, you know, apart from Isaac and, and Wilson. Um, you know, you've got Joe Linton who's who can play as a as a wide forward. Could arguably still do maybe do a, a, a job through the middle with his increased confidence these days, but you wouldn't want to really put him there. Um, ESM, Jacob Murphy, um, Miguel Almiron, uh, Anthony Gordon. There's a lot of options Newcastle got in those in those forward uh, positions now. That's that's before you even you know talk about you know Alex um, Elliot Anderson or or even potentially Joe Willick. So. I think one through the middle, one sort of central striker would would be good. Whether that's somebody a bit younger who can who can act as a, a backup to Isaac and, and Wilson, and then a, another wise player, um, I think would would be would be ideal in in my opinion. Um, but maybe Eddie Howe's got a, a different a different thought process than me. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I, I do agree, it's a huge game. John uh, reckons will win 3-0. And then the guy who tied himself to jail says, Danny's in jail. Uh, it's his pals we need to be aware of now. Uh, Les says, uh, with Lascelles, despite long time out, he looked match fit versus City. And I think Eddie Howe's paid tribute to Lascelles a couple of times this season. His attitude's been right. He's put in the effort in training and he's ready to go if needed. Yeah, you know, I think everybody was a little bit... Um, a little bit nervous when when they saw the cells in the starting lineup against City for a number, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, City the best team in the in the country, and you know the cells having not had much game time, not had much um, seen much action over over the, the the previous months. But he was he was very very good. He didn't uh, he didn't let anybody down. He was arguably one of Newcastle's best performers. So um, he's been a fantastic. Um, Serving, he's been a fantastic professional club captain, um, 
and and a key part of the of the squad, regardless of what people think about him on on the pitch, he's a real key part of that that changing room dynamic. Um, and anyhow, we'll have no qualms at all about putting him in against against Everton on Thursday if, if Fabian Shea is not quite right. And I'm and you know fingers crossed if he does play that he, he puts in another really good accomplished performance like he did at uh, the Etihad. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. We will see uh, Newcastle, of course, taking on uh, Everton uh, this Thursday, and then we play Southampton um, before Ross and I uh, get together again next Tuesday. So Southampton, it's it's another it's another team being threatened by relegation. Two two big games coming up, Ross. How do you how do you see? Let's go Thursday night first. Um, how do you see that game against Everton going? <clears throat> I say being tight, really, really tight. Maybe it's the odd goal in it. Um, I don't think there'd be, be many goals. I know, you know, Newcastle just blitzed Spurs 5-1 and, and Everton are struggling down the bottom, but I think it'll be a completely different game, a, com- a real kind of uh, high stakes, you know, fervent atmosphere. Um, I think when when Goodison Park gets going and gets, you know, the, the fans get right behind Everton, it's a, it's a, it's a really good good. Good ground for for kind of home atmosphere, you know. Um, I think it's I think it's one that you know, if you give them a sniff and they they get that passion and, and get going, then it could be a, a difficult evening. Equally, it's one of those stadiums as well, though. When when fans do turn against the, the team, that it can it can be a, a difficult place for the for the home team to play. So um, I do think it'll be tight. I maybe score with a with a one nil Newcastle or a, or a two one something like that. Um, and then moving into the into the Southampton game, that should should be full of confidence. You know, if, if Newcastle can get six points out of these two games, then you know, if, almost there, really, yeah. almost there. Southampton at home is a is a game that on paper you would think you would say that a, it's a comfortable Newcastle win, and, and I do think it, it 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 will be a comfortable win. But you've just got to bear in mind that you know Southampton are fighting for their lives, absolutely scrapping for their Premier League future. They they got a three three draw against Spurs. They got a three three draw against Arsenal and, and should have won that game. So they're no mugs, you know. They they they're, they're scrapping for their lives and and um and it will be another difficult game. But let's be ultra positive and go um go six points from the from the next two games. A, a tight win against against um against Everton and then something a little more comfortable against Southampton at St James's on Sunday. Great stuff, as always, mate. Good to spend uh, that bit of time with you. See you next Tuesday. Take care, mate. Cheers, Steve. Thanks, everyone.